You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For everything, for everything indie, for everything cults, it's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome in to another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. And for the second time this season, George, we can actually have a fun, engaging, exciting post-game pod. The Colts get their third win in the year. They go to 3-2-1. and one. You know, last week, really, I mean, they won the game. But, boy, there's not a lot to feel good about in Denver. But, man, oh, man, 34-27. They get the win over the Jags. They move, you know, go over 500 for the first time this season. And finally, George, finally, the offense has come to life and has kind of given a sneak peek of who they really should be. Yeah, fun game to watch. Uh, really, first time all year you can say that about a Colts game. Yeah, that's uh, true. Really exciting kind of offensive football on both sides. Um, hats off to Frank Reich. You know, we said on the on the podcast, on the preview pod, he's going to have to scheme something up this week. You know, Jacksonville's had their number. He's got to change something up. It's going to be one of those games that he has to figure something out. They came out in a no huddle. Uh, it it didn't work as smoothly as I think they wanted early, but it, they were moving the ball the whole game. And obviously, I mean, you see the, the end result, 34 points uh, by far a season high uh, against a team that shut them out five weeks ago. Uh, you know, hats off to, to Frank Reich and hats off to, to Matt Ryan and Frank Reich on, on the final play of the game, on final offensive play of the game. Uh, that's a gutsy call going to a rookie wide receiver. Uh, you, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. Uh, per, perfect throw, really, by Ryan. Uh, but you can't say enough about Alec Pierce's release, getting where he needed to be, uh, and the running under, making a contested catch, making that little extra effort to get over the goal line. Um, that kid gets better every week. You can see the trust his quarterback and his head coach have in him. Uh, but just an aggressive offensive game for the Colts, and probably the first time all year that they won, and you really feel like most of it was their doing. That's right. right. Even the Chiefs game, the Colts, to their credit, took the game. And you're right, there's a lot of mistakes made by Kansas City that allowed the Colts to eventually win that game uh, back in week number three. But you're right, we, we started with Frank Reich on the uh, the preview pods. And this has to be a game, because right now nothing's kind of going right off. It just has to be a game where he is like the Frank Reich of old. It feels like we haven't really seen that much this season where the creativity and offense is back. They're doing different things to kind of get in the rhythm. You mentioned the Ohio coming out right away. That's something we've been talking about before in the past, just to get the defense kind of, you know, exhausted, kind of tire them out and slow down that pass rush, which it worked to perfection today. No sacks. We're getting to the offensive line, the brand new combination that seems to be 
uh, the one working right now for Indianapolis. But I'm glad you brought up, right, not just Frank Reich having a great day, but also to even Alec Pierce. Because it also, too, like I said, a great release by him, a great play, his first great touchdown, no better time to have it than that. But it also goes back to Frank Reich and his aggressiveness, right? This has always been a guy who leans on the side of aggressiveness more than uh, being conservative. And I'll be honest, George, from the TV angle at least, when you Matt Ryan drop back and throw it up uh, on third down, I honestly thought he was a throw. Like he was like just trying to kill as much time as possible. He had the trip on first down, no, you know, real green on second down. So I really thought, all right, this is them trying to kill as much clock as possible instead of running into the line. For, for, that's going to take you three seconds. They're just going to throw it up and hope to milk seven, eight seconds. All of a sudden it comes down and there's Alec Pierce making a nice contested catch. You're right. It's nice to see that it, throughout the entire game, Frank Wright kind of got back to his old offensive creativity. And it goes back to, at, at the end of the day, he's an aggressive coach. And like I mentioned, that third down play is key, Frank. Like, it's nice to see for the first time this year, him kind of going back to his old ways. And it worked. This Colts offense looked great. 34 points is obviously, like you mentioned, obviously, without a doubt, a season high for uh, when they came in last in the NFL in points per game. And it's nice to see that for the first time, this offense and everyone really, even without Jonathan Taylor, looked in sync and looked comfortable. Yeah, I mean, they're 2-0 and with Deion Jackson as a starting running back, so I don't know. <laughs> Is yeah, there a running back uh, controversy, George? <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's just telling you how crazy this league is. I mean, it, it's insane. You really don't know what's going to happen uh, from one week to the next, and and as soon as you think you have it figured out, something will happen to show you that you don't. Um, I just think uh, another big part of that, you know, with Frank being more aggressive, the offensive line, the the fact that they were able to protect throughout the game, there were no sacks. That's what allows you to make that play call on third down. I don't think he does this sure. a week ago or two weeks ago because you have you're fearful that Matt Ryan's going to get his head taken off. They had that belief the line's going to protect him. Let's make this call. They said they had an option on that route. Uh, he could either send Alec Pierce on a fly route or it could have been like a crosser. Uh, you know, try to get a closer field goal for for Chase McLaughlin or even I guess at that point a fresh set of downs and and you know see what what goes from there. Uh, but he said there was no doubt in his mind that Ryan was going to take the, the fly route. He knew he gave him the option, but he kind of knew he was calling the fly route. <laughs> I like that. I like how they're on the same page. And I'm glad you brought Matt Ryan because he was just tremendous. Today. Like I said, the pass protection, and we'll get into more of that line here in a little bit, but obviously that helps him for a guy to actually have time to throw the ball. You see when Matt Ryan does have time, he, he's a good quarterback. But this year, this week, I should say, excuse me, 42 of 58, George, 389 yards, three TDs. And you can make the argument the most important stat is zero fumbles. Obviously, no interceptions, but zero fumbles either, loss or just on the ground. He had better ball security. His feet were set. Really, outside of the one play where he had the intentional grinding, where I still can't really tell if he just threw the ball away or was, or was trying to hold on to and the ball slipped. Really, outside of that one play that, that cost the Colts field position, put a, you know took him out of field goal range, he played, I thought, a spotless game for the most part. Didn't really put the ball in harm's way whatsoever. Even, you know, he was careful with the ball. No real way for the Jaguars defenders to, to you know, try to get their hands on and pick it off. He was just tremendous. Career high in completions of 42. A brand new Colts uh, record as well for 42 completions in one game. He really kind of, for the first time, looked comfortable um, in this offense. It took six games. It took a while, but obviously the pass protection helps. But Matt Ryan, again, when he has time, he haven't got a lot of it this year. He hasn't seen a lot, but when he has time, he can make the throws. Yeah, well, that's, that's a big thing, the protection. You know, we've been saying all year long, if the offensive line gets better, this offense will look better. Well, now you can see we knew what we were talking about. The offensive line got right. better. The offense looked significantly better. Uh, but I, I think that's the big key for Ryan is – having that time and, and getting into a rhythm, which I think the no huddle really helped do that 
you know, he got out there, he threw the ball what, 27 times in the first half. I think he really got into the flow of the game. And I'm not sure that had happened uh, at any point this year. I can't think of another game where you really felt like he was in a flow and he was comfortable. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Frank Reich said afterwards that, that this is going to be something that's still part of the the, the toolbox, you know, that it's going to be a week-to-week thing, and, and, and we'll see how that changes. But I've got to believe it, they're going to pull it out more often. It may not be the whole game like it was today or may not be the focal point like it was today, uh, but you can see, you know, how many more people get involved in the offense when they do this, how much more comfortable Matt Ryan is. I think it helps the offensive line out. Yeah, they've got to run to the line, and they've got to be in condition but it's really wearing out those pass rushers on the other side. I think that played a big element in today's game as well. And I think when Jonathan Taylor comes back, they can run out of this as well. You saw that in Houston. Uh, I think that's what makes this a more feasible option than it might be for some other teams. They don't have to necessarily, you know, throw 58 times every time they run no huddle. I think they can incorporate the running game with Naheem Hines and, and Jonathan Taylor a little bit more today. Obviously that wasn't the best route. They did what they had to do to win the game find a way to win. They did. You know, I think that's, you say that every week, find a way to win today. They did. And two, for really the first time, like we've mentioned this actual offense looking like it's supposed to be like at this point, I don't see why you sh- want to deviate uh, from what, you know, what made you successful. Right? You're going to go no huddle every drive. Okay. Probably not fine. You've maybe cranking it down a little bit less, but I don't see why right now you could just either totally scrap it or even try to minimize it a little bit. Cause like you said, sure. It's a little tiring, but the, the results we saw, especially, like I said, are drastic between week two and now just a few weeks later on, on Sunday when you beat the Jaguars and just totally flip around that defense. They owned they owned that Colts offense back in week two in Jacksonville. And it just looked like a totally different game, totally different matchup. And you know what I liked a lot on Sunday too, George? I like that the Colts threw to set up the run. When you have Jonathan Taylor, when you have this offensive line that is the highest paid offensive line in the NFL – Especially the last going, you know, last year and this year as well. I think the Colts a lot of the time uh, have run to set up the pass, especially with Carson Wentz last year. I feel like they were at times scared to death to really have him throw the ball a ton, so they ran to set up the pass. I thought today, especially, was key pass to set up the run. That's seemingly where this offense is at its best. And even though the run game, the results were nowhere near, you know, impressive or great by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously, no Jonathan Taylor and I'm Hines is also part of that. But I really, to your point, when we talk about the offense and the flow and everyone looking comfortable and you put up 34 points for the first time this season, uh, by far season high, I think that part of that is set, you know, passing and set up the run is really what this team, I think, thrives on or really what they need going forward to help continue this offensive outburst. Yeah, and I think a lot of those passes were kind of runs. I mean, uh, right. a good share of them went to Deion Jackson. You know, they were extended handoffs, things like that. The other thing when we're talking about that week two and the difference is, Pierce and Pittman were not in that game in week two. Uh, Pierce obviously has the game-winning touchdown catch today. Michael Pittman's going to get, I think, forgotten a little bit in, in, in all of this because he didn't have a touchdown and he didn't have that that big moment, maybe aside from the the, the third down conversion uh, where he took the big hit in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he had 13 catches for 134 yards. And, and when you're going to throw the ball as much as they did today, you need that chain mover, and that's what he was today. I, I think that's what he's best at. He could make the big play. Uh, he's not going to be that that speed guy necessarily. He's not going to be the flyer out guy, uh, but I think he's going to be that guy who who does exactly what he did today. Thirteen catches for 134 yards. That covers for some of the lack of a running game as well. That's a great point too. Um, and a lot of them over the middle. A lot of them are you know receptions to get a first down. That's who he is. Like he is going to be that tough over the middle receiver. That you know reliable guy that you see Matt Ryan. Like you mentioned, 13 receptions. That was his go to guy for sure. 
Um, and it's it's great to kind of see that security blanket, you know, him and Matt Ryan be on the same page because Michael Pittman Jr. is, like they said, that guy that's not going to be a – he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, just, just blaze you with speed. But he's a guy that will make the tough, contested catches whenever you need him. That big third and seven, he's there getting open. And even when he's not open, making tough, contested catches. One thing I did like too a lot, just going back to the Alec Pierce touchdown, George, I like the fact that despite the fact that Pittman had a huge day, like you mentioned, 13 receptions, and at times, I felt like that was the only guy Matt Ryan was looking at, and it was working, so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it did feel like certain points of the game, like it was Matt Ryan, it was kind of like Michael Pittman Jr. bust. It was nice to see that Alec Pierce, who did have a, you know two receptions before, so he was involved a little bit, is I see the biggest player of the game. They said, all right, we're not just going to rely on the best player on our field, on the team and Michael Pittman Jr. We're going to rely on everyone. That's a team effort. I know it sounds kind of corny and cheesy, but that's another reason why this win feels so good on Sunday. It wasn't just the fact that they won and they had a great offensive outburst. It was the fact that they got contributions again from almost everyone up and down the roster, which when you, again, when you look at this team, even with Jonathan Taylor, when he does come back and Michael Pittman Jr., obviously two of the better players at their position in the NFL, but this Colts offense, if they want to continue outputs like they had on Sunday against the Jaguars, it's going to be a team effort. Jelani Woods, we just mentioned Alec Pierce. You had Deion Jackson playing great as well. You get contributions from everyone on the roster. That's really where this Colts team, they want to continue their, their performance. That's how they're going to do it. And and it was Paris great to see. Cam- Paris Campbell yes. again as well. You know, yes. he had a touchdown yes. and uh, some, some big catches to, to keep drives alive. I mean, that's what they need. That's kind of, he's settling in now as that kind of number three guy the defense is overplay the other two guys, you know, he'll make them pay. And and that, I think the offense, the passing game, again, assuming they get p- protection, which they did today, the passing game, there's a lot to like right now. You've got the tight ends are all playing big. Jelani Woods had another big day. Kylan Granson had a couple big catches out there today. Uh, it was a quiet day for Mo Ali Cox, but, you know, next week could be his week again. It was the last time they played Tennessee. So you never know. Uh, I just feel like right now there's a lot of options in that passing game. And if they can get the protection, They've had guys step up. It's what we asked about all summer long. You know, who's going to be, aside from Michael Pittman, who's going to make plays in the passing game? And the answer right now is pretty much everyone. You're right. You had seven different guys uh, have a reception, which is good. You had, you know, Jelani Woods in terms of actual receptions was the fewest with two. So you're having guys, like I said, contribute. You're having them make multiple plays. It's great to see that now. I know it's taken a little bit. We had questions about the – the eyes. Uh, I say I talk my hands so much, George. I get too excited <laughs> knocking the mic over. That's what happens. When you don't really have too much excitement so far through six weeks to talk about. You forget how to handle success and joy. But like you mentioned, it's great to see that this offense is finally now, for the first time, like you said, it felt like this is who they're going to be going forward. You hope that it can continue. A large part of that is um, Frank Reich's play calling, which was tremendous by the, you know, all throughout the game. It was great to see Matt Ryan get protection. Great to see the offensive line come through. And you look at Matt Ryan too, George, the last thing this will say about the offensive totality. The one thing he has been this year on a consistent basis is clutch, right? He's mm-hmm. now his four, fourth quarter comebacks, three game winning drives. H Colts win so far has been because of a, you know, a game winning drive, obviously uh, in the fourth quarter. So he has made some big plays uh, when they need to. And this Colts team, again, continues to play better in the second half. You wish they, they get off to a better start. It's, it's, mind-numbing how slow of a start they get off to um, in the first half of these games. But it is good to see that, again, another week where you we talked about it in the um, in the season preview pod and even in training camp as well. This Colts team needs to do something they couldn't do last year, be closers. And now through six weeks, that's really one of the consistent themes you can see is that this team, when they need a clutch play to be made in the fourth quarter, they make it. Yeah, and they came to life a little bit sooner today, too. They had the 14-3 to deficit again, which has got to stop. I mean, everyone knows that. 
four division games now, and all four of them you face a double-digit deficit at some point. But they got it back 14-13 by halftime. We hadn't seen that. They've been waiting too long to kind of get back into it. I think that was another big factor today, going into the half just down one. And then I think they were able to overcome adversity a little better today. I mean, you you had the failed two-point conversion that was first good and then taken away. You had a couple red zone drives early in the game that didn't work the way that you would want them to. You didn't come away with touchdowns. And then Jacksonville comes out to start third quarter and scores a touchdown and, and pushes it back to an eight-point lead after you had that momentum at the end of the second quarter. And today was really the first time all year where the Colts kind of shrugged every one of those things off and came right back out and did what they needed to do and you know took the lead and, and lost it and still came back down. And today, Matt Ryan twice had drives in the fourth sure. quarter to take the lead. So um, those are good signs. And I think Jacksonville, you know, <clears throat> it's three losses in a row. They're not going to be very happy. I think we're all understanding, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of upset people down there in, in Northeast Florida right now. But that team has definitely improved. I don't think anyone's going to deny that. Oh, Last yeah. week, lost to Houston is going to sting for them for a while. Uh, but this is a team that was right there with the Eagles two weeks ago that blew out the Chargers in L.A. You know, this is not – normally, if you, if you had to come from behind and beat Jacksonville 34-27, I don't know how you're going to feel about it. This is a good win for this football team. I think this is a really solid win. And virtual tie now in, in, in the division, 3-2 Texans, 3-2-1 and one Colts. Um, after the way the season started, I'm sure Andy feels pretty good about that. Absolutely. They, they – like I said, for how bad it was, the fact that they are now almost through the seven-game stretch we highlighted, and if you win in Tennessee, the feeling's a whole hell of a lot better than it was even going into that week four game, uh, or week five game, I should say, against Denver on a short week even before that game started, for sure. You're 100% right about that. And quickly here, just don't want to be remiss, and we don't mention him uh, out of the gate, too. Deion Jackson, like, I, like the Colts, you, the rushing attack on Sunday, George, obviously was not pretty stats-wise. As a team, they ran the ball, was it 16 times for 45 yards? That's 2.8 yards per carry. That's not something you're going to be excited about. Deion Jackson himself, 12 carries for 42 yards. It's not like the stats really jump out. What I did feel like I liked a lot about the running game and where it continued to take a, a small step. Again, you're missing your best player, so fine, you're, you know, with third and fourth string running backs, it's going to, you know, that's, you know, part of what you're dealing with. But I thought they ran the ball when they needed to for the most part. Now, you know, third and ones, they're converted, not getting stuffed. You know, down by the goal line, they ran the ball in with Deion Jackson for one of the touchdowns. Like, they have been, not a lot, but at least on, on Sunday, when they felt like they actually needed to run the ball for a yard or two, for the most part, they were able to do it. And, it's, again, nice to see considering uh, to start the year, they were getting stuffed on a lot of those, you know, short, um, third and short opportunities. Absolutely. Well, and 121 yards total offense from Deion Jackson. He had 79 receiving yards as well, so... You know, I think that's where he really stepped up and, and had a big game now two weeks in a row in a tough situation. I mean, you're coming in uh, late in the week, both weeks when you find out for sure it's going to be you. You know, you're waiting, trying to see how Jonathan Taylor is going to be, waiting to see if Naeem Hines is going to clear protocol. Uh, and, and he's able to come out here and, and have two games like he did. Uh, I think, again, like we said, you know, during the week, if nothing else, I think Deion Jackson has shown he's a guy who can can give Jonathan Taylor a breather, take some of that load off of him come in for a series or two and, and, and be the guy. And, and, you know, it's something they're going to need moving forward. Uh, you know, I think one thing Matt Ryan said today is they still have a lot to improve on. And I think that's important to note, you know, it's the best performance of the year uh, on offense defense. It was not, I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later, uh, but there's still things that they can, uh, this offense is, is nowhere near its peak. Uh, and I think to score 34 points against what I think is a pretty good Jacksonville defense this year, not elite, but good. Um, you know, and do that without 
two of your better players, it, it's a huge step forward. Absolutely. And too, I mean, look, just recent history against this Jags team, the last two times the Colts have played them, and they both have been in Jacksonville. Yes, but they have just, it's not even been close, George, you know, just how competitive the, or lack of competitive, I should say, the offense has against that Jags defense. They've absolutely been dominated. So I see that really for the first time in a long time, they flipped that script. And like you said, have a, a full, for the most part, complete game offensively and really kind of be the aggressors and be the dominators in this matchup per se. You mentioned the defense. We will get to that because what a, an awful, awful and disappointing day from the defense. But when we do return here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod, George. The offensive line, it's a story and a talking point. Each and every podcast, it feels like, had the Colts finally found the right starting five. We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As always, subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. George uh, Bremer, Ryan Hickey, alongside with you here, right here on the latest post-game pod as the Colts do defeat the Jaguars 34-27. And George, how about for the first time this year, we talk positively about the offensive line because it looks like they have found the right combination. Now, they started the game. With a brand new combination, they started with Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard. They went Ryan Kelly back at center. Then they went Pryor, Matt Pryor, right guard, Braden Smith at right tackle. Now, they did sub in Dennis Kelly. We saw Dennis Kelly siding for the first time this year. He subbed in for Ryman pretty early on in the first quarter at left tackle. Did not look back since that was the, the, the unit that played most of the game. Zero, that's right, George, zero sacks allowed for the first time this season. You got to go back to all the way in week 11 of last year when they smoked the Bills of Buffalo. Last time this offensive line did not give up a sack. I think, George, I know it's one game. I think it's time to say the Colts have found the starting five. I, at least you have to, to handle it that way moving forward. I think we were talking all week about get a unit that actually works and then stick with it. You know, Find something that actually goes well for you and, and then stick with it. And they did. And to their credit today, it wasn't the unit that started the game. Dennis Kelly came in early. Uh, they said, you know, Frank Reich said that that was the play and they were going to kind of rotate him and Raymond uh, all along. But once Kelly came in, he kind of went over to Chris Strausser and he said, you know, it's working. I'll leave it up to you because he always leaves it up to the position coaches to make those kind of decisions during the game. He said, it's working. I don't see any reason to pull him out. And they just left Dennis Kelly out there, uh, really settled in. I think it's a really big moment for a Carmel native. He's an Indiana boy, went to Purdue, uh, come in here and 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 then have you know such a big role in a big win like this. Uh, kind of a neat story uh, that'll go a little bit under the radar with everything else that happened out there today. It's a good point, right? It's a nice kind of you know 
nice sign from a, a local boy, especially for sure. But it's also, too, a great sign to see, George. Zero sacks on 58 attempts. So it's not, again, like they are, you know, barely through the ball and they weren't really tested. This defensive line for Jacksonville is very good. We have seen them give Colts offensive lines fits in the past. Ask Matt Ryan from week two. Ask Carson Wentz last year. And you were able to keep Matt Ryan upright, keep him clean for the most part. And again, play by far your best game of the season. Like It's great to see. Like you said, it's, it's nice to that Frank Reich is able to make an adjustment on the fly. Like I said, where they see Dennis Kelly's working. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Sometimes, George, is just that simple. I, I don't know. I get a... I do get frustrated because I feel like sometimes football coaches especially tend to overcomplicate things when it's really not that difficult. This is one of those situations where you see it working, don't switch it. To Frank Reich's credit, he kind of went when it was rolling, and it led to by far the best game of the year. Yeah, and it's not even close from the offensive line standpoint. Uh, I, I think it's funny. If, if you told me coming in today that the Jaguars are going to run for 243 yards and the Colts are going to throw the ball 58 times, I would have thought the Colts would lose this game. I mean, I would have thought that's a recipe for disaster. 58 passes, no sacks, no turnovers. I think that's probably, you know, the biggest number. I think it's the first time all year they didn't turn the ball over. Uh, They were close once. Kylan Granson fumbled the ball. Really good hustle by Ryan Kelly to go and fall on that one. Uh, But no turnovers, I believe, the first time all year. That's key. I mean, we've been saying it all year long. They're their own worst enemy. Penalties, turnovers, sacks. The penalties got in the way a little bit today. Definitely killed the opening drive. Uh, But not as bad as they've been in the past. They were more on the defensive side than the offensive side today. And then no turnovers, no sacks. The result is by far the best offensive performance of the season. Matt Ryan pressured just 24.1% of his dropbacks, according to True Media. So again, he had a clean pocket. I like the fact that uh, play calling wise too, I thought it worked because sure they took deep shots as well, but a lot of quick passes. Like it's nice to see that Frank Reich is adjusting his play calling to see, all right, this offense line is not really getting it done. You can't get Matt Ryan a lot of times. So we're just going to call a lot of quick plays. That's This is Colts offense that we're going to see. It's not going to be very explosive. Like last year, it's going to be matriculating the ball down the field, 8, 10, 12-yard drives. But this offense line is able to protect. Matt Ryan is at his best. It feels like when he's able to, you know, obviously stay upright. There's a there's a hot take for you. He's good when he's not getting hit. And you see so far the starting five look good. And, and Matt Pryor was playing. We talked about George uh, earlier in the week leading up to this game. You, you got to stop them at tackle. You know, it's they tried him at left tackle, didn't work. Last week, they tried him at right tackle, didn't work. They slide him over to right guard. That seems to be, if he's going to put, if you have to put him on the field, that seems to be the best position for him. And it, it worked out. Credit to the Colts again. They've been tinkering all, all year. We said that you had to do that, right? There, there's no one that really felt like they were off limits in terms of being moved around. And the Colts kind of worked their magic in and found that combination. And it's, Again, it's we we talked about this. The Colts are going to go as far as their offensive line takes it. And it's nice to see that today, for the first time all season, like this, they showed you you have time. This offense can score thirty four points against, like you said, a good Jacksonville defense. That's not an accident. It's not a fluke. And they showed that more. Mm-hmm. Like Matt Ryan talked about after the game, being you know still having more to improve. This offense can be good. They could be a close to a top ten offense if the offensive line is blocking the way they're paid to block. Yeah, and it's situational football, right? I mean, they were good on third down today. That's always important. Yes. They were good in the red zone late. They weren't good in the red zone early, but they were good in the red zone late. And they've got to continue to improve at that. Uh, and and the turnovers, you know, the sacks and the turnovers are what have been killing this team all year long. And so to avoid that, uh, now I think the next step is to get the, the running game going as well. When you compare this with the running game, you'd be really hard to stop. I mean, if you can get out there, if you can have this passing attack with Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and you're opening some lanes for him, 
it's going to be really tough for defenses to figure out how to, how they want to play you. I'm glad you brought up the third down too, George, because that's another thing we kind of talked about. The Colts' woes on third down with, you know, they faced, going into this game, they faced almost 50% of the third downs. I believe it was 48% was the exact percentage. 40% of their third downs this year were third and long, third and seven or longer. And what do we talk about? You need to get better play design, better play calling on first and second down to give yourself a chance to be able to convert on those thirds down and third downs, excuse me. And to Frank Reich's credit, they were able to do it. They were 10 of 15 third down today. We've talked, George, before in the past, you know, or earlier in the pot, I should say, you got to pass to set up the run. I thought that worked out perfectly. They're able to get ahead of the chains on first and second down. And that's how you go 10 to 15 on third down by making it third and three, not third and nine. And that's Ryan Kelly flat out said in the locker room after the game, that was the number one goal to stay out of third and long. You know, and they did for the most part. I think there was a couple third and sevens and they picked them up when they got them today too. But uh, yeah, that was the, that was the idea going in and they were able to achieve it. It's, it's, it's funny, George, how simple football is when you just get ahead of the chains, when you, when you just stay on script and kind of just catch the ball, throw the ball, probably blocks to the guy you're supposed to block. When you actually play a Simon football, it's amazing how the results turn out in your favor. Do good things and, and good things size. happen, right? It's kind of crazy. Um, I think it's funny, though, because I, I asked somebody today, is this the death of run the damn ball? You know, we've heard that now for four or five years. Um, you come out today and you literally don't run the ball at all. Uh, and, and you win this football game and you do it in an impressive fashion. Um, but I think, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to overreact to one game either. I think they did what they had to do today to win this game. It'll be interesting next week in Tennessee. You know, some of these I think will work. I think it'll be another game that maybe an up-tempo style probably is a good idea. I think passing to set up the run um, definitely is still going to be a good idea. But I also think – I don't think anybody in that huddle is going to not be happy if they see number 28 out there and he's able to chip in as well. Which makes this even more encouraging. You score 34 points. Again, without your – really but your best offensive player like you said and we mentioned before you go back to week one against Tennessee or excuse me against Houston a lot of Jonathan Taylor's yards in that game were fourth quarter no huddle offense but you were able to run the ball so if, like you said if you can kind of this is I don't want to get too crazy like that. I don't want to get too carried away and start now to think that this is sustainable when again it's it's one out of six games we saw this Colts offense actually look competent and good so that's a, that's not a good percentage whatsoever but you saw signs on Sunday for the first time this season, George, that make you feel like, okay, this offense is going somewhere, and it's not just a fluke where we see it in all the time in the NFL, just sometimes even a bad team has a great game and everything goes their way. I don't think that, that Sunday was the case where everything went the Colts' way. You mentioned the adversity they overcame. And I love the game plan that they had of, of passing first step the run, you know, just even making just easy passing, you know, slants, curls. Like It's not like, you know, they're just making miraculous plays. It's simple, get the ball out quick. I think this is sustainable going forward. Like I said, when they get Jonathan Taylor back, whether it's next week in Tennessee, you hope, or in a few weeks after that, it feels like this offense could go even further. Not like this was just a one-off, even though statistically one out of six games, it is a one-off right now when you have this uh, good of a game. He's not a very good batting average right now, but I don't think what you saw today was I'm with you. It didn't feel like a fluke. You know, the Kansas City game felt fluky today did not feel like a fluke. Uh, one thing I wrote about it a couple of weeks ago, but one thing that's always kind of intrigued me with this team is, you know, obviously Frank Wright came up in, in Buffalo in that K gun system with Marv Levy and, and Jim Kelly. And, you know, everybody remembers them being no huddle and throwing the ball all around, but Thurman Thomas was such a huge part of that attack. 
And the fact that he was able to run the ball as well as he was and catch it out of the backfield and be as productive as he was, let them pretty much go no huddle the whole game, every game. If they hadn't had a running back like that, I don't think they would have been able to do it. I think the Colts could have something like that between Taylor and Hines. I think you could you could create kind of a modern-day K-gun offense here, and it'll be interesting to see if that's the direction they're headed. Hope so. Like I said, it worked wonders in Buffalo, and at least today so far, it looked like this was their the best iteration, the best version of the Colts' offense is when they're up-tempo, no huddle, just kind of even just not in a rush to stop the ball per se, but just not huddling, keeping the defense on the field, not allowing substitutions. It, sh- you, it should on paper work. And again, it's easy to kind of just game plan the rest of the season out, but just, oh yeah, if this happens, this happens the way it happened today. Obviously they're going to, you know, things are going to go awry, but so far this feel, like I said, feels sustainable. I feel like this could be the beginning, especially when you get two of your better running backs back to kind of mirror that, that nineties Buffalo bills offense, which was obviously, you know, prolific and explosive in its own right. Um, unfortunately, George Sunday was not all, you know, sunshine and roses. The Colts offense played really well. Colts defense absolutely did not. Kind of rolls reversed here on Sunday. When the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return, we'll talk about the defense getting historically gashed, it felt like, and the run game. And, and the Colts doing one thing that continued on Sunday that is just so frustrating. I'll tell you what that one thing was in the Blue Horseshoe Pod returns. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. George, time to put a little rain on this happy Colts postgame pod. And that's because the defense... By far their worst game of the season. Now, they've been tremendous so far through five games. Gus Bradley's done a, a good job, and they've continued to get better and better. But boy, oh boy, did Trevor Lawrence, and really this, this uh, Jacksonville run game, have their way against the Colts. 243 rushing yards on the ground. That's the most the Colts have given up in a game, George. You got to go all the way back, week 11 of 2014 against the New England Patriots. And the last time they gave up at least 243 rushing yards. And it's crazy, no matter who it was. James Robinson, you had Travis Etienne, Jermichael Hasty with, with a big run as well. 7.4 yards per carry for the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence got some rushes in as well at, at quarterback. It doesn't matter who was running the ball, George. Colts cannot tackle him. No, it was an awful performance by the run defense, and I don't know where that came from. We talked about it uh, all year long. That's been one of the strengths of this team, except for that first half against Tennessee. Uh, they've really been really tied against the run. They did a great job. I know Okereke was out for a little while, but he wasn't out that long. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure where that came from. I, I do think part of it is they, they've had trouble with, like, shifty backs like Travis Etienne. Uh, going back, I feel it feels like for eternity. I can't remember the last time they they didn't have a struggle against a running back like that. Um, and I think that was part of it, you know, especially this defense, as much as they kind of pin their ears back and, and go downhill, if you can get a quick back like that, a shifty back and he's cutting back, uh, you see that those one cut moves really tend to, to hurt this team and screens, you know, they, they, they were able to do that with some screen passes to the running backs as well. So uh, not by any stretch of imagination, an excuse, but I do think that that's what you see from them, you know, a lot, you know, when they get into these kind of matchups, whether it's going back to guys like Darren Sproles, who just owned this team uh, mm-hmm. for for his entire career, uh, you know they they just ha- they have trouble with these kind of shifty, quick backs, um, and they, they better figure out how to clean it up because they're going to see at the end quite a bit over the next few years. And even just looking at next week, George Derrick Henry, you know, going and trying to tackle that guy, which you know he had over 100 yards when they when these two teams faced off a few weeks ago. So you have to get these cleaned up quick. I don't know if it's me, George. I really hope not. But on Saturday, I'm a Penn State alum, huge Penn State fan. 
They allowed over 300 yards on the ground at Michigan Ooh. when they came in as one of the best run-stuffing teams in the country. Now you had the Colts defense, which was one of the best in terms of stopping the run, just absolutely get gashed by Jacksonville on Sunday. It's it's so frustrating because, like you mentioned, too, it's just like it's the shiftiness, it's the, the lack of tackling. But even, too, it wasn't like ETM was juking everyone out of, out of their shoes and he just was one of those guys that's just unstoppable. Okay, fine. Like There's just some of those players where just, you can't tackle them. The holes, though, that this offensive line for Jacksonville is opening up, pushing around the Colts' defensive line. Grover Stewart, uh, even though he had some nice splash plays, like he had one of the worst games of the season for him just because he really mm. wasn't visible that much. And it felt like it took a while for even the full, uh, first Colts defender to make contact. Whether Again, it didn't matter who was running the ball. There were some wide-open lanes that these running backs were running through. It, it was very frustrating to see. I think it was especially frustrating because they did a pretty good job in the passing game. They were getting after Trevor Lawrence. They put pressure on him. They sacked him three or four times. Four, four times. Um, you know, so they – and that's complete turnaround from week two when, when he right. was basically sitting in a rocking chair, sipping lemonade and throwing the ball <laughs> whenever he wanted. Um, you know, they, they were all over him, and I thought they had pretty good coverage on the receivers most of the time. There were a couple breakdowns there, but most of the time, really good coverage. They were aggressive there. They got after the quarterback, but all of a sudden you can't stop the run. Uh, it was baffling. And really, I mean, you know, that last drive by by Matt Ryan erases it, but 18 plays, 84 yards, 10 minutes, three seconds to take the lead for the Jaguars in the fourth quarter. That's the score story of the game. If, if Ryan doesn't hit Pierce on that touchdown pass, what we're talking about right now is this defense not being able to get off the field. 18-play drive. That was the whole game in Jacksonville. I felt like they had 12, 13, 14-play drives the entire game down there. Uh, that was very reminiscent on, on that drive. Like I said, it's got to clean up in a hurry because you're going to go to Tennessee, and I guarantee you they're going to watch this tape, and, and Derek Henry's going to be licking his chops. I'm so happy you brought that final drive because for how bad it was where they are getting gashed by the run all game long. Like you mentioned, you get one stop on that final drive for, for the Jaguars, and it's okay, fine. Like all that that bad play before it just goes away. The Colts offense is looking good. And you get one stop, okay, fine. It's always forgiven. It's not great. And like you said, there's still errors to clean up, but you feel a lot better. And the fact that not only could they not get the final stop, but you just mentioned eight, 18 plays. Um, that drive as well, the final one for Jacksonville, they threw the ball well. Like you mentioned, there was times where I was thanking Doug Peterson for for throwing the ball in the first three quarters because like, all right, anytime they're not running the ball, fine, take it. That's a win for the Colts to have Trevor Lawrence drop back and throw the ball. But then that final uh, – that final um, – Drive for Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence was throwing the ball, making conversions, and a lot of third down conversions they were able to, to make. It was frustrating. Colts had, what, three or four different opportunities in that final drive to get off the field, and not one time they could get off. Like It's so frustrating because it was, for the most part, not uh, Colts Stevens. We've seen play like that a lot of the time, but when you needed a stop in the worst way, they failed to get it. it was, it's it's annoying. That, that's just, That's the word I'll use there. Really, first time all year the defense has done that because, you know, all the other games, when they got put out there with a lead, they held it. You know, they, they closed out the, the, the previous two wins. They are the reason that, that the tie stuck against Houston instead of the Texans coming back and winning that one after the missed field goal. You know, they other than, than today, anytime they've got out there with the lead or, or in a tie game, they've gotten that huge stop they needed. Today they couldn't do it. Some of that was Trevor Lawrence. He made a couple of really nice plays. That's going to happen. Some of that was um, questionable officiating. Uh, to put it mildly, and some of it was just playing bad defense. And I think that's what the Colts have to focus on. You can't sit there and, and make excuses. In 18 plays, you did a lot wrong if the yep. other team stayed on the field for 18 plays. I mean, that that's just bottom line. Um, you know, I know Jerome Boger is nobody's favorite ref this year, and, and I don't think his crew did much, 
excuse me, today to cover themselves in glory. Um, but none of that matters. You know, I, the Colts are getting frustrated with that on that final drive, especially the, the holding call against the Forrest Buckner, which was patently ridiculous. But none of that stops the fact that you can't stop the run all day. And it, all of a sudden, all that aggressive defensive coverage seemed to go out the window on that final drive. You're right, too. And it's you mentioned with the 18 plays like it's not it's not the fact they just converted third downs. It was also like they were third and long. Like it wasn't like it was third and two. Oh, this is an easy one. Let's just, you know, fall forward and get the first down. Like you mentioned, the the Gilmore penalty was third and very long. You help open up. There's like third and sevens on the drive. Like they were making plays. But also, too, it's it's downs. You need to get off the field. It's advent. It's in your advantage when you have, you know, third and long like that. And they're still unable, like I said, multiple times to step up and make a play. It's something that we, like you mentioned, haven't seen. And they said on the broadcast, first points allowed all season by the Colts defense in the fourth quarter. And, you know, quite frankly, it's where they miss Shaq Leonard. I mean, this was a yes. drive where he goes in, he makes a play. You know, whatever it is, is it a sack? Is it an interception? Is he knock the ball out for a fumble? That's the kind of drive where he goes in there and makes a play. And, and that's one thing about this win. You know, you can go out there and, and we talked about not having Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and what that does to the offense. They didn't have Shaq Leonard and Quiddy Pay on the defensive side. And, you know, defense did not get it done, uh, but maybe they were owed a favor from the offense after carrying this team for six weeks. It's a good point. That's a good point. And to you, you mentioned before, we teased it right before going to break here, is this. We saw it again, and the defense was the exact reason for it today. The Colts this season have yet really one time to play complimentary football in a game, let alone, let's just say, even in a half. You mentioned the first quarter deficits. The offense can't get going. The defense can't keep the, the opponents out of the end zone early. And then the second half, it's either Colts offense can't finish a drive or the Colts defense, especially on Sunday, allows you know a back-breaking 18-play uh, drive that almost cost them the game. Whether the offense, when they are playing well and they are you know converting like they were today, defense can't get a stop. And we've seen a lot of part so far through this or a lot so far this season the Colts' offense not getting anything going, and the defense able to play great. The Colts have played uncomplimentary football so far in every single game, included on Sunday. And you look, the fact that they're 3-2-1, and one, it's kind of amazing, honestly, when they have yet really to have their offense and defense both play well at the same time for a majority of the game. And I think it does say something about this team in terms of how competitive it is. Because they played bad football for, for five of the six weeks. They played really bad football on offense. They played bad football for two and a half of, of the weeks on defense this week. And I'd say a couple other halves, you know, where they, they really weren't getting it done. Jacksonville, no one played well the first time. Right. Uh, but they found ways to win. You know, and I think that's there's something to be said for that. It's it's hard to do when you're two, two and one like last week and you win 12 to nine. But I think when you come out of it with a win like this or you look at the Kansas City win, there's something about this team's character that at least tells you there's there's something there, you know. Now they got to stop digging the holes to begin with and, and make it a little easier on themselves. But there is something about this team right now that they've come back in five of the six weeks. They've been able to, to come back in the fourth quarter and put themselves at least in position to tie or win the game. Um, that's not an easy thing to do in the NFL. Doesn't excuse the fact that, you know, five of the six weeks, they put themselves in position in the first three quarters to have to do that right. in the fourth quarter. Um, but I do think it's something that if, if we're looking for something moving forward, that's encouraging. That's it. They, they, they're very far from peaking. They're still miles away from playing their best game as a team. Uh, but I think for them to come out and, and really on Thursday, the defense wins the game at Denver. The offense plays terrible. The defense wins the game. This week, the defense plays terrible. The offense wins the game. Sometimes that's what you got to do in this league. 
to steal an old golf adage, right? They say there's no pictures in the scorecard. Right? A par is a par. Does it just put the put the four down and move on? That's kind of like what the Colts have done this year, right? There's no scorecards in the win column. It's just a W or a loss. And to your credit, the one thing that is encouraging, it's maddening that like we just mentioned, they have not really played a complete game um, at any point this season. But the fact that they are three, two, and one, and they've won their three games in all different ways, right? This today, Sunday was was uh, the offense playing great. Thursday, like you mentioned, was the defense balling out and making plays. And it was a little bit combination of both against Kansas City, but they were able to, you know, make a few things work and get that done. But the encouraging part is the Colts have found different ways to win each of their three games so far. And it's nice to see that you are not relying on one area, whether it's just the offense to bail you out every single week and score 40 points, or whether it's a defensive pitch a shutout. Like, you know, we see plenty of teams in the NFL that are reliant on one player, one area of the team to win a game. And if they can't get it done, they're screwed. To the Colts' credit so far this season, like you mentioned, there has been 25 guys I can probably list on the top of my head right now that have made big plays to contribute to a win, and they've found different ways. They can win ugly, like we saw on Thursday night in Denver. They can win pretty, if you want to you know, put that in air quotes, pretty. If you want to say with how the offense played, uh, let's say, especially the last three quarters of this game against Jacksonville on Sunday, they are they are able to win in different ways, which is very encouraging that now you can kind of see for a team that's played pretty bad football for most of the season, they somehow still have a winning record with a lot of time to improve. And I think that all of that, though, still leads to frustration, right? Because you sit there 100%. what could this team be if they put four quarters together like that? If they played all four quarters like they do the fourth quarter, how good could this team be? And, and you know, I don't know. I don't know if we'll see it this year. That, that's, that's what they're working towards. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, but I think it's important when you're picking up wins right now, two wins in a row with Jonathan Taylor out three wins without Darius Leonard, without Shaquille Leonard. Um, you know, when your, your best guys are out and you're picking up wins, that's important. That that's going to matter in November and December when you win in these games now, uh, with those guys on the sideline, if you get them back and you keep improving, you know, who knows it, there's still a lot of work to be done. I, I think no, no one's going to disagree with that. Right. You know, this is still a football team that needs to improve in a lot of areas. But I think that for the first time all year, you can have a little optimism about maybe th- maybe this team can win the AFC South. It's so many because you're like, I don't like, honestly, George, if you ask it right now, is the, are the Colts a good team? I don't know. I, I truly can't answer because you mentioned we have seen this team look like they should be a, a really good team. I won't say great, but this is when this defense is clicking and when they're healthy, when this offense is looking like they have today. It's going to be really tough to beat this Colts team. So it's like you see the signs of this team truly can be, you know, a special team, let's say, and, and make the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game for the first time uh, in a long time. But then it's just like the question you just mentioned it. Can they get there? Can they put a full four quarters of football together in offensive defense and play up to their capability? I don't know. The potential is pretty good right now from what we've seen. Just the only question is, can they get there? The good news is you mentioned it. They're buying time. Like, this is one thing that we will say. We've harped and harped and harped on the importance of getting off to a good start. You're 3-2-1. and one. It has not looked pretty for most of, this, uh, of the season so far. But Super Bowls are not won in October, as we know. You are buying yourself time now, unlike past years, where even though you're not playing good football, you still find ways to win. That's going to be huge come November, December, and, and early January to where then you don't have to peak and basically have each week be a playoff game down the stretch of the season, you are now buying yourself time where you can kind of tinker with things. You can still kind of figure it out, and you don't dig yourself into a hole that's impossible to get out of. There's signs for sure. And like you mentioned, this team is nowhere near perfect and nowhere near playing that the the level they're capable of playing to. 
But it's encouraging. And it's a good sign that so far, despite that, they are finding ways to win, which you have not seen in previous years, especially Absolutely. last year. Like it. And, you know, I got to say, because we've, we've hit him hard here uh, with good reason. And, and I know he's been hit throughout the fan base. A lot of it has to do with Matt Ryan. You know, I think that competitive nature, the, the way they're finishing these games, a lot of it has to do with Matt Ryan. He's got a lot to clean up, too. There's no question about it. His turnovers, still 10 turnovers, even through six games, is still awful. Uh, yes. But but today he didn't he didn't do it, and it's a big part of the reason they won. And if he can limit that moving forward, it, it's going to help this football team. But I think he's instilled a confidence in this team that no game is over. You know, you don't win a game like they did in Denver. It's ugly as it can be. But you don't win a game like that without confidence that your quarterback can, can get it done. And obviously today, um, you saw on third down, the money down, how much confidence Frank Reich and this team has in, in their starting quarterback. And that confidence, George, that belief is going to be huge come down the stretch of the season. right? It's, it's nice now, and it's maybe sometimes a little frustrating early in the year when you're getting blown out in, in Jacksonville, and there's Matt Ryan still playing hard, still fighting. Or again, you need that big 17-point comeback to just tie the Texans. But to your point, that is one of the that is one of the, the four short things we know with this Colts team so far this year through six games. They are one that is going to continue to fight, and they are never going to be out of a game. They're always going to be resilient. And so far, we have seen them again come, you know, make some big plays when needed. Now it's you want to see them get off to a better start, but that confidence, that ability to play well in the fourth quarter is going to be massive when the competition gets even stiffer. And now you are playing some important games late in the year for your playoff life. It's it's Good to see that consistently when there's been not a lot of consistency in really any area so far. That's one of the few things where there has been consistency and it's tangible. And you can see it from Matt Ryan's leadership. That's really one of the biggest areas that he's helped improve this team. It's the confidence and the belief that late in the game, we're going to make a play to win the game. Yep. That's what they brought him in here for. And he, he's not been the total package that they wanted, but he's absolutely delivered in, in that really important area. So Colts fans, really the, the second time all year because it was tough to celebrate, even though it was, it was a win. It was, boy, oh boy, a very ugly win in Denver. So for the second time this year, you can feel good, celebrate, go into work on Monday with their head held high, wear, you know, be proud to wear some Colts gear because um, this this Colts team, offensively at least, put out by far their best performance of the season. Defensively, obviously, you know, uh, some work there to do, especially with, with Derrick Henry being the matchup next week. But a good win over, like you said, a young, scrappy, talented Jaguars team. Definitely a, a nice win for sure. A much-needed win. This offense gets the job done. So enjoy what is right now the start to a very positive week. Myself and George will be back on the midweek pod to kind of put a bow on this game on uh, on Sunday. Start to look ahead to that big, huge Titans matchup to close out this five-divisional game uh, in seven-game stretch to kick off the season. And we'll start to kind of look ahead towards that, which, oh boy, if the Colts, if the Colts win that game, George, we're sitting here four, two, and one. The the vibes will be very, very different uh, after that one for sure. So as always, between now and then, make sure you follow us on Twitter. A lot of good nuggets there. George will obviously be at practice reporting and giving his thoughts and and columns. So make sure you follow George at GM Bremer on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. We appreciate you as always. If you do listen uh, and like what you hear, make sure you download and subscribe to the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you do get your podcasts. And we'll talk to you on the Midweek Pod.